everybody. I'm Pam Pastor, host of the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast. I'm thrilled that you found me and found this channel today, but more importantly, I am thrilled that you found Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. And as we journey together, we'll unleash discoveries of how to turn hearts of stone into ones of moldable clay for the potter to transform. And we're going to discuss relevant topics that are happening happening in our culture. And I hope that you're going to consider joining me and others each week as we adventure and explore these topics together. And periodically, friends, we'll delve into my mailbag answering questions from listeners just like you. So if you do have a question, make sure and email it to me at pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. You know, here's the question of the day. How often do you or have you found yourself crying out to God in your pain or in your distress because of situations that have come against you that were completely out of your control? Nothing you could do about it kind of hit you, broadsided you, sucker punched you, if you will. Well, David was no different. And it's funny, you know, we hear about David. He was a shepherd before he ever became a king. And yet we remember him for being a king. Or sometimes people often remember David as, oh, he had that sin with Bathsheba, killing Uriah, her husband. But because of his repentant heart and his heart after God, God was able to forgive him. And the scripture teaches us that God forgives our sins as far as the East is from the West. When we truly go to him in forgiveness, humility, and a repentant heart, he is there to forgive us. So this isn't all doom and gloom, but there are some realities that we're facing that are a little harsh even now as they were back in David's time. So, you know, David went to God. He requested justice from God numerous times from those who would slander him, belittle him, publicly shame and humiliate him with no real reason to do so. So have you ever been falsely accused or so badly hurt that you wanted revenge upon your enemies or enemy? Hopefully it's not enemies, plural. But there are times when that is very very well justified in our minds, but it's not the godly thing to do. So David wrote Psalm 7 as a response to the slanderous accusations of those who claimed he was trying to kill King Saul and overtake the throne, which was completely false. Now this is the same David that killed Goliath. So had he wanted to kill Saul, he could have. Yet the truth was when he had opportunity, he didn't take it because King Saul had the anointing or the blessing of God upon his life. So David knew better and David cried out to God for justice instead of enacting justice on his own. And as much as we all want to be viewed favorably and liked, our response to evil and slander must be like David, a calling out to God for his justice through our prayers and not revenge. Romans chapter 12, verse 19, Paul reminds us of this by saying, Dear friends, never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God. For it is written, I will take vengeance. I will repay those who deserve it, says the Lord. 
And personally, I know from experience when we're wronged and publicly disgraced, instead of striking back, the better option is for us to ask God to take our case. After all, God has never lost a case. We need to have him bring justice and restore our reputations. And recently, the world has coined this as cancel culture. And a person may be removed altogether from public conversation and every attempt to delegitimize the person is made, people are fired from their employment, they're mocked, they're threatened, they're shamed on the public stage. All the while, there's elitist pulling the puppets, kind of committing these infractions against others, and they're hiding behind the curtain, continually plotting and scheming their hatred against the person that they've targeted. And the Bible says in Psalm chapter 7, verse 14, The wicked conceive evil, they're pregnant with trouble, and they give birth to lies. So with that being said, I listened to a sermon on cancel culture uh, out of Turning Point Ministries in San Diego, California. And it was very interesting because it talked about, will you be silenced next? And, you know, it is possible for people to be silenced and dismissed by powerful elitists. The answer is surprisingly, though, it can be a yes or a no that a person can be silenced. It's really dependent upon the severity of the moral infraction committed and the support from the group think tank will determine the longevity and proclivity of a cancel culture stigma sticking. And especially if it's gone on for years, you know how they say a lie perpetuates itself and it snowballs and it snowballs and it gains traction and more lies added and more and more and more till the truth of whatever was ever even there is no longer there because it's turned into such a gigantic lie. So Wikipedia defines cancel culture as a modern form of ostracism in which someone is thrust out of social or professional circles, whether it be online, on social media, or in person. You know, I'm, like I said, people get fired, mocked, threatened, deplatformed, and delegitimized in every way. Notably, many people claiming to have been canceled often remain in power, though, and continue their careers as before, but not always. Sometimes they literally take it on the chin and and very evil people seem to prevail, but not in God's economy. God rights all wrongs. So is this an invasion of privacy? Well, Psychology Today, March 23rd, 2021 reported, canceling prevents any exchange of opinions or investigation of the truth, even when that would be appropriate or necessary. Cancel culture is undeniably toxic when it includes criminal threats, invasion of privacy, you know, when people have people's homes and cars bugged or when their computers are being monitored, things of that nature, that would be invasion of privacy for sure. Or driving a person to suicide, which is the ultimate evil act and intent. Now, the narrative for cancel culture makes an enemy of a person by targeting them and releasing propaganda to support their narrative, truthful or not. Their chief aim is to bury the person alive. This is insidious disease of the heart. 
Cancel culture ends the careers of targeted people, essentially blackballing them within society. And you know, you may ask, like, how is this even possible? Like, I can't even believe that. Well, believe it. If you've been targeted or blackballed, when you go out and you interview, people ahead of time are warned about you or your resume never even gets into the appropriate place that it's been sent. There are all kinds of ways to be blackballed. And this is not because the person has committed a heinous crime, such as murder or treason to their country. It can be as simple as differing moral opinions and values. So President Obama was quoted as saying that cancel culture supports a simplistic worldview and promotes the idea that a person is no better than the worst choice they ever made. And this belief was upheld by Merriam-Webster's definition of cancel culture. The practice or tendency of engaging in mass canceling as a way of expressing disapproval and exerting social pressure. And you, we've saw it with our 45th president. He was completely ostracized, censored, and removed from a social media platform. He had to go out and create his own platform. So it's not just happening to celebrities, presidents. It's happening to your average Joe as well. We're being hunted for veering outside of society's unwritten guardrails. And now, is cancel culture prophetic? It is punishment induced by a crowd. So yes, that's prophecy in the Bible. And this leaves no room for empathy or forgiveness. Instances of ordinary, everyday people and those of celebrity status have been touted. Now, public shaming is the twin to cancel culture. Passive aggressive campaigns are employed to bring more people on board. If y'all remember, in other words, don't be a Karen, this attempts to destroy a person with no possibility of restitution. Reputations are ruined. Once a reputation is damaged, it's near impossible to repair. And you know, I recall the Mars Corporation jumping on board when they ran one of their commercials for the M&M brand uh, during Super Bowl and they mocked Karen's. So people can hide behind the veil when this type of passive aggressive campaign is used, but cancel culture can be anonymous and discreet in their shaming. And this is how many are kept hidden in the shadows. But what really is the underlying goal of cancel culture? It's bottom line, it's about destroying a person. What happens when this is thrust upon a person? It's not uncommon to see reactions of outrage, overreactive emotions, helplessness, and anger. Duh, wouldn't you think that if a person was being harassed on these levels, you're going to see those types of reactions? It just it just stu- stupefies me when I sit back and I see people not understanding that when you harass people in multitudes like this, they're gonna give you a reaction. Even if it's not their standard reaction, they're gonna choose a form of reaction. So it's, it's just interesting to me. Anyway, that, that was a personal side note. But the goal is to disrupt the lives, the relationships that they have within all the relationships across the board, whether it's family, spousal, children, friends, 
Trust is another big one. They're trying to disrupt trust. And betrayal is seen in the form of outsiders digging up information from the time the person was born. This is an attempt to reveal something hidden from the offender's past. This used to only happen with celebrities, presidents. Now it's common practice for all. Now, family members, friends, they're more than willing to produce fodder at someone else's expense. They feel significant. One of the six human needs and one of their core human needs is fulfilled in doing so. So how does groupthink play a key role? Well, groupthink is demoralizing to the psyche of people. Freedom of thoughts, right or wrong, moral or ethical, are all formed within the framework and under the umbrella of a person's upbringing. With groupthink, the person goes along with what they're told to think. This is a dangerous and scary tactic. Walter Lippmann is quoted as saying, where all think alike, no one thinks very much. And isn't that a truthful statement? So the good news is that group think can be avoided when people push back against the projected norm. It needn't be viewed as antagonistic, but rather level-headed when there's a pushing back against it. So now that the elephant's been introduced into the room, where do we go when dealing with this unfair situation? Well, we must go to God and give him praise. Yes, even in the pain, even in the unfair situation, maybe we didn't bring it upon ourselves, maybe we did, but at the same time, no one deserves to be manipulated and have other people use them for their gain. But Satan is a liar and he is dark. He cannot stick around in an atmosphere of light. When we read God's word and we speak it out loud, Satan flees. So recall one of our spiritual warfare weapons is the sword or the word of God. When Satan is tempting our minds with lies and false accusations against ourselves and others, we need to trust in the truth of God's word. We must give him praise out loud. Our God loves when we come to him in praise, even in the middle of a storm. We must not be discouraged that what the word says about men being lovers of themselves is more prevalent today than ever before. As believers in Jesus, we can stay upbeat, optimistic, and hopeful. Scripture says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. In other words, the Holy Spirit is greater in us than any fallen enemy of this world, including Satan. Now let's remember now what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. He said, For our present troubles are quite small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us an immeasurably great glory that will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see right now. Rather, we look forward to what we've not yet seen. For the troubles we will will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. And the Lord is worthy of our praise. So here are some ways that we can praise the Lord and just every day. It's specific scripture verses to pray over ourselves, pray into our atmosphere, pray 
onto our loved ones. And when we want to praise God, I just really hope that these are going to bless you today. So I'm going to go through several praise scriptures now because he is worthy of our praise. Psalm chapter 107 verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Psalm 107 verse 8. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for all his wonderful deeds to them. Psalm 29 verse 2. Give honor to the Lord for the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Psalm 66 verse 4. Everything on earth will worship you. They will sing your praises, shouting your name in glorious songs. Psalm chapter 7 verse 17. I will thank the Lord because he is just. I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Psalm chapter 50 verse 23. But giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me. If you keep to my path, I will reveal to you the salvation of God. Psalm 34 verse 1. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. Psalm 100 verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. And that's one that I like to start my prayers off with because I visualize entering into those gates with thanksgiving, going into his courtyard and his courts with praise and thanking him and blessing him. Revelation chapter 4 verse 11. You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created everything and it is for your pleasure that they exist and were created. And then finally, Philippians chapter four, verses four through seven, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you're considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. So don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. If you do this, you'll experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And finally, one more, this is one of my favorites, is Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. And so friends, remember, yes, cancel culture may be a thing, but you know what? We don't have to give that thing any of our attention. We can focus on praising God, worshiping God, the glory of God, keeping our eyes fixed upon God, and evil will fall where it's going to fall. God says, He is our vindicator and he will not let the righteous come undone by evil. So we have nothing to fear, no worry, nothing. So as long as we're keeping our eyes on Jesus, all is well. And we can only pray for the evil being done in the world. We can pray for those people that as they, as we heap up coals of fire upon their heads or coals upon their head, that that just means that we're heaping up blessings, hoping that God, they're going to turn towards God. And when they do, they'll realize that the infractions that they committed against us were wrong. That is how we get our vindication. All right, friends, I'm really hopeful that this has touched a heart or pulled on a heartstring today. And if you want to experience an intimate, personal relationship with God's son, Jesus, and spend eternity in heaven, I invite invite you to pray this prayer of salvation now. God, I've missed the mark, but I'm turning away from my sins. Come into my heart, 
I believe in your son shed blood for all who acknowledge he took on the sins of humanity, past, present, and future at the cross of Calvary. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, I believe you were spiritually born again. Your next steps are to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you. Allow me to be the first to congratulate you on the most important decision you will ever make in your lifetime. Congratulations and amen. And friends, the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. A special children's podcast airs on Wednesdays when we're not in the middle of a series. So tune in along with your children for your favorite Bible stories that you grew up with. We'll be discussing and sharing Jesus's unlimited power in our present day lives. We delve into many topics such as forgiveness, love in action, biblical wisdom, and what the Word of God says about trust and so many more. I hope that you'll come alongside me as we explore the Bible together. And if you like this pod show, make sure to hit like and subscribe to ensure that you get the latest episodes as they become available. And why don't you consider being a blessing to someone else today by sharing this podcast link with them. Much of today's podcast referenced my book, The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. If you found the content inspiring, you may want to consider reading it in its entirety. And you can easily pick up a copy from my website at pampastorcopywriting.com, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Dorrance.com. If you're unable to afford a copy, write to me. I'll find a way to get a free copy into your hands. You won't be disappointed. It's full of God's word. Until next time, friends, be blessed. And remember, you've been marked and sealed with the cross of Jesus Christ forever. And Revelation chapter 22, verse 21 shares, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Until next time, friends, God bless.